Welcome to Trade Happy. Welcome back to another Traders Podcast episode. Sit back, grab a notepad and pen and take some notes because this is going to be a good one. Today we have a trader who's an FTMO funded trader and he bases most, most of his decisions from the fundamental analysis that he does. He's also trading FTMO whilst learning law at college. Please welcome Matt Smith. So for anyone that doesn't know who you are, can you just tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Matt. Um, I've been a trader now for about four years. Um, I started in my junior year of college and uh, basically kind of self-taught through different learning systems that I came across. So, you know, through reading, watching YouTube videos, reading different people's courses, things like that. I kind of just went through the whole gambit and that's how I kind of taught myself. Um, I have a background in philosophy. So in university, I studied um, philosophy. I studied a lot of uh, legal philosophy as well, as well as a little bit of business. Um, so that's kind of how I got into the business side that introduced me to Forex in the first place. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Is there anything else that I left out? Well, you're an FTMO trader, aren't you? Yes. So when did you find out about FTMO? Uh, so it's only been about a month and a half now. So it was pretty recently. Um, I had originally started or, or tried to um, complete the challenge and, and all that stuff in January. But then uh, that's when kind of COVID happened. And there was just a lot of stuff going on, um, not just in the market. Obviously, the markets were a little crazy around that time or started to be crazy around that time. Um, but just things personally. So. I kind of just took a step back from trading FTMO and just uh, kind of doing analysis, reading, trying to understand uh, what was going on in the broader economic scope. Try to really like grasp that and also, you know, kind of wrestle the personal issues because I'm sure, you know, if you're not personally in a good place, it's going to come out in your trading. So you got to always make sure that you're, you know, in a place that you want to be where you're happy before you're um, putting your attitude to the charts. Yeah. And did you have to change your strategy at all to fit with the FTMO challenge? Um, yes and no. So like I was saying before, you know, I've, I've gone through different courses, let's say. They're not like formal courses or anything like that. But, you know, just different mentors, let's call them, that teach different styles of trading. And so I think... Up until let's let's say last year December, I was familiar with a lot of different trading methods. So um, whether it's long-term swings or just like short scalps, I knew a, a bunch of different methods. And I think I was transitioning to being a like leaning more towards swing trading um, once I started to get a certain understanding of the economy and of markets. Uh, and then I think the rules of FTMO kind of forced me to alter that a little bit because, you know, you can't hold things over the weekend, things like that, you know, the various rules. Um, and just dealing with stuff like uh, the swap increasing, um, the spread increasing at, at such and changeover. I don't know if you're trading at that time, but that happens a lot, um, things like swap. So it did, it did require me to change um, a little bit. But I think that my overall look on the market, how I'm analyzing, how I'm planning trades and things like that are pretty much the same. I'm just getting in and out of the market more often. 
just because of that you right. know weekend rule yeah um so can you briefly describe your strategy uh yeah so including kind of like chart back testing or, or research uh yeah so what would what's your strategy for actually trading the markets yeah so before i actually decide what pairs i'm gonna look at i try to get a, an overview of the fundamental drivers because i think a lot of uh, traders miss that piece and while i don't think you necessarily need to have a great understanding of that to be successful i think it really helps um at least for the way that i think about the market so i try to look for okay this week or this month you know whatever uh, political economic time frame that we're that we're in or climate that we're in so right now i'd be looking more like week to week instead of month to month just because everything's very shaky different countries are making different decisions sometimes quickly sometimes drawn out so because there's so much uncertainty i'm going to be looking like more week to week so for like for this next week um i haven't done my, my kind of research for the week yet but what i'll be looking at is things like uh, manufacturing numbers uh, interest rates, any like changes or any news or announcements around things like that. And then based on kind of what I see out there, um, I'll say like, for example, if I see that GBP has um, a strong reason to continue falling, which I, I think it does. I haven't done my research yet, but I, I think it does. So I'll look mm -hmm. at, at GBP and I'll try to find within the GBP cross pairs, uh, which are the best opportunities for me to get in sales. So I'll kind of then just Trans transition from a fundamental point of view to then looking at technicals. So I'm saying, all right, well, I already know that I'm looking for more downward uh, movement on this pair, these pairs. So now I'll just do kind of my markups, uh, my technical analysis, and highlight areas that would be good to enter short. Um, then, assuming I don't have you know a million zones and a million horizontal lines everywhere, I'll uh, you know shorten that down to a couple key areas. Um, and then I'll just kind of wait and I'll see what happens when price gets to those different areas and I'll, and I'll decide to take my trade um, on whatever day or whatever time it gets there. So what do you use to actually get those fundamentals? Is it just like a free website or do you pay for something? Uh, yeah, so nothing is, nothing is paid for. Um, I do pay for a sort of group that I'm in and there's some news that that guy sends uh, simply because he has, he does market research uh, like for an actual institute, so he shares some, uh, like a, a particular point of view that he, that he has, uh, just based on experience. So I do pay for that, but the other websites that I use are all free. So I use something called uh, Finviz, F-I-N-V-I-Z, um, and that just gives me an idea of. Meet this. I'd start popping up. Um, <laughs> um, so. I use that for an idea of the indexes. So like dollar index, euro index, GBP index, stuff like that. And that will be like just a one confluence, let's say, for how I'm determining my uh, my bias for, for the pairs. Um, so I'll just kind of look at that and see what forecasts are, um, <clears throat> see what the different types of traders in the market are doing. Um, I also use trading economics, uh, market economics. So those are the main websites that I use. Uh, and then outside of that, it's just kind of research on news that's out there. So I'll read The Economist. I think The Economist is pretty good for 
kind of high level views of where things are heading. Uh, the Economist, I think, has a very nice, uh, fairly unbiased way of presenting what's going on. So I think it makes it a lot better to make an unbiased decision yourself because uh, we got to remember that we need to be unbiased in the market. Um, so I'll read that. And then, you know, I'll get an idea of like, oh, China's doing this, Japan's doing this, U.S. is doing this, whatever. Uh, and then I'll, I'll go like on local websites. So um, websites that are local to whatever country. Um, so whether it's like Business Insider or Bloomberg and then going on Reddit and trying to find articles from different countries. Uh, I'll do that too. Just anything that I can kind of get my hands on that I know is not going to be, or that is trustworthy information, basically. Right, yeah. So you mentioned that you combine the fundamentals with the technicals. Right. Um, do you use like any indicators for your technicals or what kind of things are you looking for? I mean, honestly, not really. The most I'll use is moving averages. Um, and that's only for like entries within my key levels. I don't even like use the, the, the moving averages on higher time frames, like daily or weekly. Um, so I'll do my analysis, just regular analysis based on uh, weekly, daily, four hour. And then assuming price gets to somewhere that's interesting to me, maybe I'll go down and I'll just use my EMAs and try to see if that can give me some precision. Um, but honestly, like even sometimes with that, I don't use that. <laughs> like, um, you know, if you've been trading for, for a decent amount of time and you have a, a pattern that you look for or whatever you want to call it, just something that you notice, whether it's a time of the week or time of the day that you always enter or a specific candle pattern, like whatever it is, like after you're doing it so many times, you kind of know what you what you want. So certain things just look good to you. Um, yeah. So I don't really, I try not to rely on indicators as much. And do you think that uh, traders need to put in that time to the charts to learn those things and those patterns? Hmm. That's a good question. Honestly, I think it depends on what type of trader you want to be. Because if you're going to be a trader that's holding things for a week or for a month, or I shouldn't say a week, maybe two, three weeks or multiple months, you don't necessarily need to know like analysis super well. You can, you can get away with some pretty basic support and resistance. Now you might need to use a really wide stop loss or no stop loss. But let's say that you're just basing things off of fundamentals or just basing things off of interest rates. That's a strategy that you know works for you over a longer time frame, you don't necessarily need to put in time to learn chart work, to learn precision with like candles, um, any theory of price action. Um, but, you know, it's like an art on its own almost. Um, I, I guess I could make an analogy like you could be a doctor, but you don't necessarily need to specialize in the art of surgery, right? Like you can be a doctor for other things and have a good idea of fitness and the human body and things like that, but you don't necessarily need to be really great at surgery to be a good doctor. Mm -hmm. um, so no, I wouldn't say it's always like really necessary. It just depends on what you're trying to do at the market. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so during your FTMO challenge, is there anything that stood out to you that you were doing well? Um, honestly, I would say that it helps to go for a lot in a little bit, 
time, if that makes sense. So if you know that, like, it's really good to capitalize on a big move. Like, if you're if if you're unsure about something or it's not quite exactly what you what you want, it doesn't quite exactly meet your requirements. Uh, and let's say you you lower your risk a little bit. That's fine, right? Because you don't you don't feel comfortable, whatever. So I would say that I did a really good job of when I was feeling comfortable and confident in the setup to just kind of go for it and not shy away from like a typical risk size or even adding more risk simply because I knew that there was like kind of something else on the line other than money, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I think that was really helpful because if you get, let's say, uh, a four thousand or five thousand dollar day. I mean, that's half of your challenge right there. And then it sets you up in such a good position for the rest of it uh, because now you can lower your risk size no matter what and be kind of a little bit more conservative and you'll probably still be okay assuming you're still making equally good decisions. Um, so I feel like not being afraid just because of the fact that it's like this challenge aspect to it. So there's like an additional component of failure. Like usually when you're trading, it's either you win or you lose the trade. But now it's like, oh, either I win or I lose the trade and I could lose the challenge. So I feel like yeah. if you kind of just separate from that and stick to your normal pattern of trading or your normal routine, it makes it a lot, a lot better because that's kind of the goal after all, right? Is to get more familiar with things that make you uncomfortable and make them more comfortable. So, yeah. Um, so do you think that, um, someone that might be losing on a smaller account once they actually go to FTMO, do you think that they could possibly be profitable because they have that larger account? Uh, if they're losing on a smaller account and then they have a bigger account? Yeah. Um, maybe. It depends what the reason is that they're losing. right? If they're losing because they set a 20 pip stop loss and they just get knocked out of the market or the move every time and then it goes their way, yeah, maybe more capital would help because it would allow them to use a small lot size and widen the stop loss to somewhere that makes more sense or gives them more room mm -hmm. to work with and can allow them to stay in the trade. So like, yeah, that's definitely something that could be fixed by having a larger amount of capital. Um, I would also say that having a larger amount of capital gives you more confidence and confidence is such an important part of trading. Um, but it also opens up the, the avenue for bigger losses too. So that is definitely one thing to be to be weary of. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think it just depends on what the mistakes are. <clears throat> like if you're, for example, someone who's losing consistently because you're just over leveraging or failing to take profit or, I don't know, just doing kind of ridiculous things in the market. Um, I don't think that's because you're, you're working with a lot of uh, a little about it money i think it's because you don't know what you're doing or there's something else that's affecting you that's spilling over into your trading or there, there's something else there so i think that in most cases if you're making like bad decisions with a small amount of money it's not going to be any better with, with more amount of money so um yeah that's that's what i'll say on that yeah do you have any advice for traders looking to do ftmo from your uh, experience I, yeah i would say don't rush there's like really no rush at all. Like I would say the biggest mistake that people make is that, I don't know, maybe they only have a year of trading or two years of trading and they think that they have like a good understanding of technicals or fundamentals or just their strategy, whatever the case is. 
And so they're like, yeah, you know, I've, I've been doing fairly good. So maybe if I go for this big amount of money, it'll, it'll make a big difference and, and things like that. But I, I think you got to always give things a little bit of time because I think over time you realize that like the fear of missing out or FOMO, like, that kind of goes away the longer you trade because you realize that even if you miss the 400 pip move candle, like one hour candle today, like there's going to be another another day where not necessarily that happens, but there's going to be another day where there's a big move that you're going to catch. Like, uh, and I think that's a really big hurdle to get over in trading because I think a lot of times, uh, even in my own experience, I used to do this a lot uh, early on. I would maybe get in a trade. It would go, let's say, 100 pips. I'd be very happy with that, and i close, and then I would be really upset when I see it continue for two, 300 more pips. Uh, and then maybe the next time I try to go and hold that 100 pip trade uh, with maybe a generous stop loss and profit, and I try to go for that extra 200 or 300, and then it just doesn't work out when I do it. But then every time I you know, take profit, it seems to go the opposite way. I think like that could be a very limiting um, like cycle of, of a mindset to get stuck in, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to have you conflict it with yourself. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. I think the time is like a really important factor in, in terms of learning lessons like that and, and others. I think that was, that was maybe more personal to me, but I think that lesson in others is something that you only get with time. Um, so I would say don't rush. Like if you're, even if you're winning, like every, every trade that you take for two months, like I would still say, give it some time and like try to make yourself go through more ups and downs. Because I feel like if you're able to go through those ups and downs and like, uh, I guess, observe your emotions and figure out how to handle them, then if let's say your drawdown is negative 30 and you had such and such emotion and you were able to battle it and win and maybe you took the loss and you grew from it and you rebuilt the account or maybe you just held the drawdown and it ended up going your way, like whatever you learned from it. When the case is you're in 30,000 drawdown or 3 million drawdown, it will be kind of the same. You'll just be like, oh, it's extra zeros. It's not, you know, like I've been here before. I've been in this predicament where I've been down X percentage or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it felt really bad, but I know how to react in the situation. So I just feel like the more things you expose yourself to in the market, the the better a trader you'll be uh, over time. Yeah. And do you think that traders need to trade an actual live account before doing FTMO or do you think they could go straight from a demo to a live account? Um, I don't know. I think that's just going to be like person to person. It's such an individual thing. I mean, I think it just, it goes back again to like your ability to manage the emotions. Um, if having a real account is going to change your emotions a lot, what like when you make the transition then yeah it's definitely gonna be hard i mean but if you if you're gonna make it work you gotta get over it um Mm. so it's it's hard to make it feel like it's a real account when you know it isn't um but i mean i I think it's doable i mean anything's doable i think as long as you kind of make up your mind about what you want to do with your trading and you kind of stick to that um i think that is a key because like I was saying before, you don't want to be in a situation where you're 
internally like battling with yourself because of past experience or past trade or or whatever the case is that's making you feel that way because it kind of just makes like there's so much uncertainty in forex that the last thing that you want to add to that pile of uncertainty is your own individual (laughs) uncertainty you know what i mean yeah yeah so yeah um so during your ftmo challenge was there one trade that stood out to you in a good or bad reason um good or a bad trade yeah i think yeah definitely um let me see what was this uh i think it was in February or March, I had a trade on Euro JPY that essentially won the challenge for me. Um, it was really, um, it was a weird trade for me because, uh, so it was a, a trade where basically I caught the initial move, there was a pullback, and then I added more to the pullback. And the second move off of that uh, initial impulse was like 280 pips that like by the next day when I woke up. and. <laughs> Um, the re-entry that I added, so normally I would just go in with like a standard, maybe like 1.5 or 2, but for whatever reason, I just went in with 5 lots, and Mm -hmm. I really don't, I like, it it was kind of silly, honestly, thinking back, but I'm glad I did it, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I guess that was one that, that stuck out to me because it, I achieved my goal. I didn't really have to do anything spectacular, and I think it was one of those moments of, I want to call it clarity but just like no, no there's no fear in like me using such a high lot side i was just kind of so confident i was like i've seen this move before fundamentals make sense like everything makes sense and i was just like you know if i lose the trade i lose the trade whatever but I, there's a, a strong potential i'm not gonna lose it so i kind of just went for the, the extra lots and it ended up paying off um <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so how long did it take you to develop your strategy and actually be consistently profitable with it oh man i think it took well over a year and a half two years um because i think that there was i think there's like kind of tears within uh within trading mm-hmm. and i think that once you get to like the top of uh, one tier right before you're gonna get to the next tier there's something weird that happens right before you get like let's say that last puzzle piece that fits together that allows you to jump to the next tier there's something weird um that like that happens there um but i think that once you get it it's really helpful in your shift understanding a higher level of trading a higher level of functioning um, and I think that is something that you need to to chase. So in other words, never being like complacent with where you're at in trading. I think there's always, always, always more to learn, even if it's more to learn about the same thing that you've been doing over time. Because even though you have one strategy, someone else can use that same strategy and look for even different subtleties within it. Um, so, I mean, it, it really took a while um, of soul searching i think as well because you also like your trading uh method your trading approach has to also fit who you are like if you're someone who doesn't like to micromanage things you can't be a scalper because 
what's the biggest like thing that you have to do as a scalper you have to manage your stop loss oh there goes another 30 candle or another hour candle move my stop loss or add a position or hedge the other like whatever it is like you're always going to have to be doing uh, a micromanaging task in some way so i feel like your trading style has to agree with uh like who you are as a person or i guess how you like to work would probably be a better way of saying it um Mm. so i think that the reason it took so long is wasn't because of any difficulty with learning forex itself i think it was more the difficulty of also figuring out what it was that i like to do um, everyone figures that out at a different point um, in their life, whether it's when you're 20 or when you're 35, like everyone does it at a different point. Um, so I think that is equally uh, as important of a factor to figure out as it is to figure out how you want to want to trade. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the reason why for most people it takes upwards of two years, three years to become really proficient and, um, I feel like maybe any task really i mean yeah forex is different yeah. but uh different and difficult in its own way but i think like really any task um is is that you have to figure out how you fit in to to the domain of the task and how you're gonna kind of use your best self to get the best results out of what it is you're working with yeah and so was it a difficult process for you actually to become a prof- profitable trader um yeah, I would say I would say it was difficult. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that forex is a great it's a great thing. It gives you freedom. It allows you to capitalize on your knowledge. It, it opens up a lot of different opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's honestly for some people just simply not the best way to make money, right? Like it's kind of the only job where you get punished monetarily for making mistakes. And for some people, that's really detrimental. Like, imagine, uh, again, back to, like, that analogy. Like, imagine a doctor who, like, every time they made a mistake in surgery, they, like, got fined an amount of money or, like, got charged some conduct points or some ridiculous thing like that. It might make people, like, really weary of becoming doctors because, like, you know, they get treated badly or they always have to pay when they make mistakes or something like that. So like honestly it's not it's not the best way when you think about it on, on that type of scale of making money. Like it's not really a surefire way of making money. It has a lot of stress, there's uncertainty, there's uh things that could happen that really mess you up. Um like for example, if if in our current climate, you know, if Trump makes a weird tweet like that could inflate the market or deflate the market a, a sizable amount. But like if you're you're just like working at a restaurant, no one's gonna hopefully like come by and like throw a grenade in there you know like they're not gonna just like make it really difficult for you all of a sudden to run your business so um for a lot of people it's not the best way of making money and it definitely is a difficult way of making money um so i feel like you have to be committed more to the other benefits of it outside of getting the money to you know even have the courage to continue doing it because it's not a safe uh, occupation if that makes sense <laughs> like you know like every day you have to show up yeah. it's kind of like uh being like a professional athlete um in you know in soccer and football like whatever when you're performing in like a tournament or at the highest level you are always going to have people that are kind of rooting for you to fail or trying to take your number one status right so you have to like show up every single day 
and like be the best like that you could be, but also make sure that the best that you could be is better than everyone else. And that's like a really hard thing. Like there's really not too many jobs or professions that you have to do something quite as stressful. So, um, yeah, I definitely said, I would, I would think it, it, I would describe it as difficult, um, because of, you know, the different things that you got to grapple with the different factors. And it, it really, you have to really take control of it, right? No one's gonna, you don't have a boss, you don't have a company or anything like that to shape your decision or your thinking. It's really kind of all up to you. And um, for some people that is like really uncomfortable and, and like not the best way of, of making money. So yeah, yeah, I would definitely say it was difficult. Yeah, 100%. Um, so when you did, when you were starting that journey of becoming a trader, was there anyone inside or outside of trading that you looked up to? Inside and outside of trading. Um, let's see. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's, there's different people in, so the, the reason I'm struggling so much to, to answer the question is because I feel like every domain has a certain type of personality that you can recognize. And it's like very similar. Like it's someone who's like kind of been an all-star. They're like well-respected. Um, sometimes they might have, let's, let's say controversial uh, statements or something like that, but you can tell that they're always trying to be honest and trying to get at the root of an issue or they're really just not trying to bullshit people. Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. And I feel yeah. like you see that everywhere. Like you see it in sports, you see it in banking, you see it in law, you see it in medicine, right? You see it kind of everywhere. And I think that instead of like naming one particular person or group of people, I feel like I look for, those personalities within the domains that I'm interested in. Right. Um, and I try to just like see what it is that they're doing, right? Because a lot of the time, like there's a reason why people become famous, why people become popular, why people achieve the success that they do. And so I feel like it's important to pay attention to them if that's what you're trying to be in your respective field, because they all have some like, of course, they don't have the, the same experiences or like the same upbringing or the same uh, level of education, whatever. Like there's tons of different qualities throughout all those different people. But I think that you can narrow down certain ones that they all have, whether it's work ethic or routine or like anything like that. I feel like those are things that I like look out for and I try to emulate. Um, so I, I feel like so when I'm doing research about like banking in the U.S. at least, <clears throat> and it names like different bankers or different institutions, I'll like look up those institutions and try to read more about, you know, how that person got there, how that institution grew so much or whatever. And you'll find that some of them were really sneaky and like maybe they used private equity to like a really weird advantage to like gain their wealth. Um, that might not be someone that I personally want to emulate. I'm not saying there's anything wrong like with that. I'm just saying that like that's not how I'm trying to do things. Mm. So like I'll be aware of that and I'll be like, all right, maybe I don't want to pay attention to this person as much. Or when I do pay attention 
to them, I keep in mind what they did to, to get that money or to get that respect or, or something like that. Um, so I feel like instead of like looking out to someone, I kind of evaluate people based on what it is they stand for and how they got there. And I try to like use that as like, a, I'll use the word confluence again, you know, how, like what to take from them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. it, back to that example of if I know that like I'm trying to be a really good banker or like a really good, like, financial advice like whatever it is and i look at one banker and he like was really sneaky he like broke a lot of laws or like used a lot of gray area laws and like sneaky back channels to like get his wealth like while i might respect him for his like economic view because he understands clearly how the economic uh like wheel functions i might not respect as much like what he says about like moral business like ethics (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like I'll use kind of what, who they are as a person to see like what it is about what they're saying uh, that might have more value or like less value, if that makes sense. I know that was kind of a yeah. long answer. Yeah, it's so, like you're, you're peeking um, behind the curtain, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I never take everyone just anyone just at like their face value of, mm. of what they're saying because as we've seen, uh, especially I think this year, that's a very dangerous thing to do. You always got to uh, so to speak, follow the money and figure out like what's kind of going behind, going on behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what do you see in winning traders that you don't see in losing traders? Um, that I don't see in losing traders. Um, so I don't see winning traders panicking. Um. I don't see them taking a lot of trades. Excuse me. Um, at least the ones that I know <laughs> and the ones that like, I've come across in my learning experience. I see winning traders are very calm. They're always taking the same types of trades. They're not looking. They don't have seven setups that they're looking for in the market. It's like, how do you even... How do you even keep track of that there's 20 odd 20 something odd pairs or 30 something odd pairs like how are you going to have eight different trading setups that you could trade and then also 30 (laughs) pairs or whatever it is and then like try to figure out the best one like you're going to be running in circles trying to figure it out so i feel like like there's an underlying method um and there's also a drive that doesn't stop so they keep going and they don't stop until they figure out what it is they need to get right. And once they get it right, they continue to do that. And I feel like uh, the other aspect is is being calm and not having the stress because the time is going to pass anyway. The wins and the losses are going to pass anyway. Um, so, you know, you might as well try to remove that stress piece and, and be as like free flowing as possible. Um, I think a, a lot of losing traders, they try to ask why instead of understanding why or trying to like see where they are wrong. They try to like maybe put their ego into the market and say, well, oh my God, this always happens to me. Or, or, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I think just good, good traders are, are calm. They don't rush into anything. Um, there's no point to rush into anything. And I think that goes back to what I was saying uh, before, that that only comes with a certain level of experience and time in the market, right? If you're a new trader, it's so easy for you to get frustrated because you might take two trades on Monday and two trades on Tuesday, 
and you lose all four of them. And then next thing you know, the same trades that you took, uh, if you had kept your stop loss and didn't close the trade early, like on Thursday, they went into profit and like, you would have been up a good percentage or something like that. And those might be, uh, you know, small little things that people get really upset at new traders and experienced traders losing traders where an easy fix is just patience and waiting um i think a lot of uh, like prominent uh, investors have said like you make more money when you just sit on your hands when you just wait on that you know one key setup or that one thing that you know will play out like if GBP announces more really bad Brexit news. Like, why would I be trying to, like, look every hour of every day to try to find a buy on GBP? Like, no, let me just wait for, like, the induction move or the false move or whatever it is that I'm looking for. And then just go pretty hard in on the sell because it it makes more sense. You know, like, sometimes the trade that you see playing out day-to-day right before you that you're missing out on isn't the real move and so like losing traders might get so caught up on like ah i should have been in the buy or i should have been in the sell like i knew i should have done that like why didn't i you know instead of doing that like maybe focus on what the bigger picture is because you might reveal that you're actually in a better place because you didn't trade Hmm. um i think also um winning traders have uh how would I describe it? Like an, an intuition, maybe, if that makes sense. Where like, even though they have like a specific set of rules and whatever that they that they go with, I feel like they know when to break them. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, something might not meet all your criteria, but you're like, oh, it still looks good, but you can't really say why. <laughs> but it kind of just does. Do you know, does that make yeah. sense? Like, have you ever yeah, experienced yeah. that? Yeah. So I feel like there's there's a little bit of that too in, in winning traders. Um, and I think that's something that comes uh, with with experience too. It's like, um, you know, if you're, if you're doing like any sport uh, and you see someone do like some crazy play, whatever it is, typically it's because they've done it like a lot, just like messing around in practice or, mm. you know, something like that. And they were in the game situation. They kind of just didn't think about it. And they're like, Oh, it, it seemed good. It felt right. And so they just did it. And they, they end up with like this, uh, this like all-star play or whatever. I think it's something a little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say makes you profitable? What makes me profitable? Hmm. I, hmm, that's really a difficult question, honestly. <laughs> um, I would say not taking wins or losses to heart is a big is a big reason. So what I mean by that is if I place a trade on all right, so I, I did my you know weekly analysis, whatever, I have my zone set up. Monday comes along, I take a trade, I win three thousand. Tuesday comes along, I take another trade, I win three thousand. Wednesday comes along, I take another trade, I lose two point five. Um I didn't I didn't do anything differently across those days that made me win or lose. And I think that's an important thing for people to realize. Like yeah. you can't force anything to happen. All you can do is react. And so if someone something goes your way, 
you aren't any better because of it and you didn't do anything better to make it go your way. If something does does not go your way, you're not any worse for it and you didn't do anything specifically for it to not go your way. Like regardless of you entering that trade, whatever happened still would have happened. And I think it's important for people to realize that. And I think that once you realize that, then you'll be able to to remove a lot of that fear that could block you from from making progress because literally like the market is always right. Like you can never be, you can, you can never be right in the market wrong. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, it, it just doesn't make sense. You can't say, well, Oh, this doesn't make sense. Like if the news was this, it should have done X, Y, Z or whatever. Like, yeah, you can say that and you cannot understand why, but it doesn't mean the market's wrong. Like the market is always doing what it's supposed to in search of equilibrium. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give to someone who maybe struggles with discipline or patience when actually trading their plan? Um, I would say in a case like that, examine your habits maybe and examine mm-hmm. what things you do throughout the day. And if there's things that put you in a frustrating and like an aggravated state, figure out how to fix it before you trade. And so what I mean is like, you don't have to never be in that aggravated state ever again in your entire life. You just want to make sure you're not in that state while you're trading. So you need to figure out like what it is um, and figure out how you can fix it. So, Maybe there's something within the issue that if you just resolve that issue, then you can continue that activity and it just won't put you in an aggravated state. That might be one option. Another option might be that no matter what you do, that activity is always going to bring you aggravation and you can't stop that activity for, for whatever reason. That's fine. But now you have to make sure that you have some routine that you do before you approach the charts that gets you out of that state and into one that's going to like be better for trading. Um, so whether it's like finding a song that puts you in a good mood and just listen to that song like a couple times or an album, or maybe you need to go for a run or do some exercise, stretch out, um, maybe you meditate, uh, maybe you look at yourself in the mirror and like talk to yourself and say like, whatever, like it could, it could literally be anything. Maybe you play video games and that calms you down a little bit, um, like find something to do that gets you out of a state that's not, you know, favorable to your trading and get into one that is going to be a little more calm, a little more zen, so to speak. And I feel like that will, will help. And if it doesn't help your trading, maybe it helps you understand that trading is not going to be right for you. Um, because I think that's another factor too. If you're constantly frustrated and, you're trying really hard not to be frustrated maybe and like you you still can't solve it it could be that training is not for you and there's really nothing wrong with that Mm. Um, or it could just be that forex isn't right for you there's other ways of trading investing your money that could uh could remedy those those situations right like it could be just that the very nature of how forex is just doesn't agree with you cool go trade stocks or go trade futures like there's other stuff that you could trade or just invest in in companies like like become like an actual like ipo investor or something like that like there's other things that you can do to still grow your money or have your money work for you i mean you can do e-commerce there's millions of things you can do to to make 
to make money. Um, so I feel like if a lot of times if you're looking at it from the perspective of just making money, that might bear its own frustration because as we were talking about before, it's it's not the best way of making money. It's not a very secure and solid way of guaranteeing money every single day. Like some days you'll have it, some days you don't. Um, so yeah, I feel like that just, you know, f- figure out a routine or just something to get you in better mood. And I think that will, will probably improve your your trading yeah so what does your average day look like do you have any routines that you do yeah so i do yoga every morning Mm -hmm. um so that's my way of being like fairly calm and like relaxed and you know like kind of awake you know i think you feel very awake and attentive when you stretch out um and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a full yoga uh like routine of progressions like you can maybe just like you know do a couple push-ups maybe some jumping jacks and like stretch your legs and stuff that might be enough for you that's cool like whatever whatever get whatever works for you uh but yeah that's what i do i do yoga um and then i read for a little bit similar to how i was reading before we we started here um so i'll do like some economist reading or just some general news like see what's up in the world while i like drink coffee or whatever uh and then i'll look at the charts see you know what looks good if i see like a very sharp aggressive move and there's a lot of volatility in the market i'll probably just stay away or maybe check back in a few hours and see like what the four hour candles did and see if they created any opportunities or a fake out or something like that but generally i'll stay away from that um if i see a lot of consolidation then usually for me that that's a good move um or, or presents a good opportunity one way or the other um and then once i'm like either i shouldn't say done trading for the day because i don't always just day trade like sometimes i do intraday um so if i'm if i'm in the trades that i want to be in for the day i'll just call it a day and i'll check the charts you know every now and then if i'm Mm -hmm. not doing anything but i'll go make food um i'll study like i said i was studying for school um i'll study a bit or i'll just read play video games like doing stuff that normal people do like i'm not just on the charts 24 7 yeah um nor do i think that's particularly healthy honestly through the eyes and stuff <laughs> yeah um so yeah well, I, I feel like i just kind of get up get moving get my coffee read a little bit uh, attack the charts and then once i've had a successful day or once i've finished my day i'll uh try to you know study or some form of that or maybe do a second workout um I think that's that's it. I don't have like too strict of a routine, yeah. Because um, I I don't want to get like I feel like personally with having too strict a routine, if you miss something or like start it late and you're too strict about it, it can sometimes like ruin the purpose of it. Like the purpose of it is not to like be on time and start like a class. The purpose of it is to like feel good and like get the benefit of of the activity. So yeah, I try to like do the same things, but not necessarily the same time every day. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Well, I appreciate you coming onto the podcast today. Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to say? And also, where can people find you? Oh, where can people find me? I mean, I don't have like, uh, like, like, I have a social media, but I don't like put trades on it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess like Telegram would be best for trading stuff because like no one's really going to be able to like, 
see my Instagram and, and know I'm a trader or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Telegram is uh, it's pips all day, one word. P I P S A L L D A Y. Um, if anyone wants like chat or like. Okay, I'll put it in the description below. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, and you can tag my uh, my Discord there as well. I guess it's just Mister Smith and then the the numbers. So I guess you could just tag that too. Um, but I mean, I guess the last thing I'll say is just never give up. If if you're really committed to becoming a trader and you really want to understand the economy and, and everything like that, everything you say and everything you you say you believe, just just go with it. Because the only way you're gonna definitely fail is by not trying. So like if you if it if you want to do it, go for it. I mean anyone who's been persistent about it, I think has made it. And maybe you won't be able to make a living off of it. Maybe you won't be able to be a ten grand a month trader, but that's cool. Like you can just be a five hundred a month trader. Like if your goal is just to kind of get some enjoyment out of it and find a, another way to make your money work for you. Um, go for it. Um, I, I can't stress enough how important it is to understand how the economy works and how banks use your money, how investors use your money. Because if they're using that to make great fortunes for themselves, there's no reason why you can't do the same. So if it, if it is something that you're really passionate about and that you, you want to do and you think you can take control of, just the one advice is always keep edu- educating yourself, so always keep reading and just never give up. And, and I think that's a good place to be in.